Amen. Thank you, Rod, and good morning, everyone. Let's try that again. Good morning, everyone. Well, you, um, if you don't mind, I want to begin. We we had a lot of uh, prayer requests came this morning that were pretty heavy. Um, A lot of things where people have passed or people are in a season of passing, people that are going through a, a scary season. And so can we even just, just before I begin, I just want to get this off my heart before we go and, and to connect as a church together. So will you join me uh, as we begin just with a word of prayer? And let's be the church. Let's share each other's burdens this morning as we, be, as we take this time together. So let's pray. Lord, we need you. And Lord, I, I can't deny that I know on a Sunday morning uh, people come with many different moods, many different feelings, many different things that are upon their hearts. And, and everyone here makes a selfless choice to come and be in the house of the Lord and worship you, no matter how they're feeling or what they're going through. And some use these moments to lean in and trust in you. And Lord, as our message today will be about generosity and sharing each other's burdens, well, Lord, I, I just sense the call to do that in this time. So Lord, we ask for those that are, that are mourning losses, I pray that you would be peace, the, the peace and the perspective in those times, that you would bring a clarity in this season, and it would be a time when family would lean in together. Those that are, that are standing beside those that are in their last seasons or even last days, I pray these would be t- times of eternal perspective where we are reminded that this is not our ultimate home, but Lord, we can have an eternity with you. And so we must embrace the day that we have been given. Embrace the moments that we have been given and draw near to each other as we draw near to you. And I pray for Ava and the, and the, 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 the uncertainty and the fear even all around this. Lord, I pray that you bring peace and healing over this situation. It wouldn't be a time of confusion, but rather a time of clarity. That you would be a God that is in the center, that is longing for others to draw near to you. And see your move in the midst of any, any report that we're ever given. Lord, we trust you uh, with all that is going on around us. With all of those things that we are uncertain with. As men and women of God, may we be those that step out and say, Lord, your will be done. We want what you want. And may that be the confession of our church today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I have, uh, and I, I just want to encourage you, is, is, is we have a time of joys and concerns in our service. Um, it certainly does not need to be limited to the time of joys and concerns in our service. I think it will show a, a significant step of, of, of a move of the Lord in our church if there are times when you just want to, before somebody leaves, you just want to stop and pray with them and and you want to be even, even more of Jesus in the flesh even before they leave or as they come in. You guys know you get these prayer requests uh, throughout the week through the one call. And I love, you know, I, I want to encourage you. You don't, you don't, this isn't just the time to pray. You can pray for anyone that comes in here with a need uh, within these walls, outside these walls. Give them a phone call throughout the week. Let's be men and women of prayer and let's be people that share each other's burdens. All right? Um, I, I'm going to, today I'm going to return to the stewardship series. I, I kind of took a break from it last week and I've been teaching on the legacy of stewardship. And in the past, we've, I've talked about the stewardship of your time, 
um, how that we've been given, we've been entrusted with some time, and what is it that we're supposed to do with our time? A couple of weeks ago, we talked about faith, uh, the stewardship of faith, that our faith must be passed on and shared with others. And I had to open this series talking about tithing, about giving of 10%. And today we're going to talk about generosity, um, which is a significant contrast to tithing. It both requires giving, but the difference is tithing, there is a very clear biblical mandate for what we are called to give. Scripture tells us we're to give uh, 10% of our income as an act of worship unto God. Now, generosity is... There is no textbook for that. Generosity is what we do with everything else. Benevolence, charity, serving, whatever word you want to use. Um, Next week, see, next week I can't wait because I get to talk about ministry and your gifts. We're going to close the series by talking about the stewardship of your gifts, the gifts that the Lord has given you, how he's called you to ministry, how he's called you to a way to serve. But today, I got to be honest, I got to talk to you about your stuff. You know, there's times when I come up here and I usually, you hear me say this because I say it often. Like, I'm excited, I say I'm excited to teach about this. And I'm excited to teach about this series. And this is one of my favorite Bible passages. So can I be honest with you? This is not one of those sermons for me. (laughs) This is not one of those that I'm real excited to tell you about. It's not one of my favorite passages to explore. I actually spent some time studying a passage this week that I'd never really given much time to at all in all of my years of Bible college and seminary. I've never even cared to explore this passage, but I had to, but the Lord basically made me this week in preparation. And so this is all hard and a little bit uncomfortable because now I am talking about your money, your stuff. But you have to realize, as I've had to realize, is that there is a, there is a clear sign of spiritual maturity when we begin to understand stewardship, exactly what stewardship truly is. So let me give you an example, Okay. Um, Sarah, can you come up? You're going to be my illustration today. Can, can, please, can you please come forward? I didn't, I didn't, usually I prepare everybody for this. I didn't prepare Sarah, okay? I didn't prepare Sarah for this illustration. Now, some of you have come on up a little, little bit further. So some of you have, have heard me share. You can look at everybody, too. You've, <laughs> you've heard me share this word before, stewardship. We're talking about, I don't have the legacy of stewardship slide, but that's what's on your bulletin. And so now I think I'm going to give you the best illustration of what stewardship is. It's really simple, okay? And there is a difference. And there's a difference with all that you guys can concern. Now, look, if you don't know this yet, I am loaded. I have a whole $5 right here, okay? So there's one. I'm giving that to you. And I'm going to ask if you wouldn't mind. Oh, oh, wait, no, I got one more in my pocket. If you wouldn't mind, um, go give that one to, to Jake. Go give that $1 bill to Jake. And that's yours to keep, to do whatever you would like with. I mean, anything. Go spend it on whatever. Do anything you want with that, all right? All right, I'm going to give that one to you. If you wouldn't mind going and give that to Ty, okay? Now, once again, anything you want, anything you want with it, is, it's up to you, okay? I know there's lots of, lots of varieties, um, lots of choices you're going to have to make with that $1 bill, but I trust that you'll make really great choices with it. All right. Um, go give that one to Lisa back there, okay? And so, Lisa, you get the same choices. And actually, here, while you're here, Sarah, uh, 
go ahead. I'm going to let you go ahead and, and keep those two, okay? You get to keep those two. Now, come on up. I'm not done with it yet. Now, I don't know if, uh, Joel, and you have any cash on you, but would you mind going ahead and doing that with your own cash as well? I'm just kidding. I wouldn't put that pressure on you. But now, but now listen, but that tension just happened. Everything changes in that moment. In this moment, I was giving her stuff and telling her where to put it. It was never her money to begin with, and she delegated it wherever she would like. But something happens different when we say, now you do that with your money. And so what is going on here? I want you to understand, churches, one is the idea of stewardship, and one is the idea of ownership. Let's give Sarah a hand, and you guys can keep those. Again, do whatever you want with them, okay? Invest them. I would begin an investment. Begin your 401k with that, okay? Now, now, so the difference is are we, do we have resources that have been given to us, or do we have resources that, are, that we own, that are ours, and it is ours to do whatever we want with? That is the tension. That is the difference between stewardship and ownership. Stewardship is gaining the understanding. It is a sign of biblical maturity, gaining the understanding that all that you have is his. Uh, stewardship in the Greek simply means manager of a household. Not owner, manager. One who has been entrusted something that is not there. The manager of a household. Nick's going to give you a few passages that we're going to understand this morning. 1 Corinthians 3.9 says, For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. And these, are the, these next two passages are the ones that we have to decide as men and women of God whether we really believe or not. These are some of the most foundational biblical texts, especially that one right there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1. <clears throat> see, it's, see, that's the passage that I hope parents, and those of you, some of you are, have just, just had uh, some, some young kids, and, and some of you who have seen kids come into this earth, when we look at that, when we look at that verse, we can look at our children and say, hey, did I create this child or did God? It's a lot like that last passage, isn't it? <clears throat> There's a co going on. There's both of you that are mutually a part of this. But children are, are a miracle of life. At the end of the day, these are the Lord's. And the moment that I was, I was giving kids, I realized I have the privilege of raising these young women it is a privilege that has been given to me by the Lord. And all that, that has been created, he created it. And we have the arrogance and oftentimes the selfish, uh, selfishness enough to think that it's ours. What about this one? You've heard this one before too, Psalms 24.1. A psalm, the Lord is the Lord's and everything in it, the world, all who live in it. It's all his. Church, when it comes to giving, when it comes to generosity, <clears throat> you will always be faced with this question. Is it mine or is it his? This is the beginning of us understanding what it is we were created to do with the stuff that we have been given.
And so now I'm just, since I've already prayed this morning, before we get into our text, if you have your Bibles, go into 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 7. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 7. We're going to talk about a legacy of generosity. And since we've prayed a bit this morning, I'm going to say a quick prayer before we read that passage. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 7. Let's pray. Lord, this is your word, and now there is an opportunity for you to speak to us through your word. May our hearts be open to receive what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 7, the text that Rod read. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. It's a beautiful text that we love to share um, before we take the offering. It's probably the most popular offering text that there is. Now, I told you that I had to spend some time in this passage. If you take a look, just if you got your Bibles, and once again, I encourage you to actually be looking at a Bible when I'm talking to you this morning so you can see all these things for yourself. Um, 2 Corinthians 8 and 2 Corinthians 9 were, were awkward to me. There's a lot of passages in there that are a little bit uncomfortable, and I'm going to expose those in just a few moments. But let me give you some background as to what's going on here. Okay, so so there's the first Corinthians and there's a second Corinthians. Okay, remember these two things, they're letters. They're letters written by Paul. We're only seeing one side of the story. We're seeing Paul write a letter to the Corinthians. And in this case, he's writing a second letter to the Corinthians. So there was an original response sent from the church in Corinth. And then there was a response in 1 Corinthians 1. There was another response from Corinth. And then there's yet another response by Paul in 2 Corinthians. Okay. So that's, this is what's going on. There's this interaction between Paul and the Corinthian church. Now, where this began that you read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 is Paul is collecting an offering, all right? Uh, in, my, in my Bible college, they, they used to say, I used to always hear parents that said, Pastor Brody, every time you give a devotion, collect an offering, okay? No, I don't do that. But, but that's what's going on here. Paul is collecting an offering for the Jerusalem church, now, why did the church in Jerusalem need money? And this is the, why was this the church that he was concerned with? Well, Jerusalem um, was a bit more of an epicenter. It was a little bit bigger than a lot of the other places they had been. And Jerusalem is, often, is obviously filled with a lot of Jews. There's a lot of religious tension there. And there were people that were um, of non-Jewish. They, they were different ethnicity, and they were coming to Christ. Now, these people were outcasts. These people lived in the inner city, so they didn't have a lot of other ways to provide for themselves. And not to mention there was extreme persecution because they were in the town where, where Judaism was extremely strong. So not only were these people highly persecuted, they were often highly impoverished, and there was no way to, for them to get resources. So the Jerusalem church, mainly focusing on those Christians that had become Christians outside of Judaism, they were the most persecuted. So there was an offering being taken for them. And... Um, we read about this in, in 1 Corinthians 16. Now, what, what Paul discusses in these passages uh, in, in chapter 8, he makes reference to the Macedonians. The Macedonian church was a church that was also persecuted, that also did not have, very, uh, did not have much resources. And as he's communicating to the Corinthian church, he's actually bragging about 
wow, I was blown away by what the Macedonian church was able to do. And the Corinthian church was not going through the persecution or anything like it, such as the Macedonian church. And so that's just a little bit of background as to what is going on. Paul is encouraging, he is encouraging the Corinthian church to give. And so now I'm going to read some of these awkward texts, and that word keeps coming up. That was our last uh, series that we did. We, we talked about awkward stories in the scripture. I am in some really awkward texts because these three texts that I'm going to read you, I don't like them. When I read them at first, I'm like, I don't, I don't like what that says because a lot of people can read that and they can, take, they can take these verses and build some really messy, nasty theology off of. And I just don't like what some of these things say. But, but that's not what we're called to do as Christ followers. We're called to read the Bible and wrestle with it together and discern what the Lord is saying to us for today. So that's exactly what we're going to do. So I want to point your attention first um, to 2 Corinthians 8.8, 8, okay? Now this is when Paul, 2 Corinthians 8.8, 8, this is when Paul is referring to the Macedonian church and how much the Macedonian church had gave. And here's what he says to them. I am not commanding you, that's a great point, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Now, if you've read that verse, maybe you understand why that makes me so uncomfortable. Because Paul, right in front of their face, he is saying, I'm going to compare your giving. And he's comparing the giving to that of the Macedonian church, who was in a much dire a uh, much more challenging situation than the Corinthian church. All right, awkward passage, right? Something you don't want to hear. You wouldn't want to hear the pastor, you know, uh, taking a look at, and like I said, I told you a few weeks ago, I don't ever do this, taking a look at your checks and saying, hey, I saw what you gave, but so-and-so is going through a much tougher time, and they gave a lot more than you did. So just kind of you want to make that comparison for you. And that's kind of what Paul is doing. But the good thing is, is that the Corinthian church hasn't given anything yet. They've known this opportunity to give was coming to them, and now it is here. So here is a very clear biblical truth, though, that we have to pull out and that we have to wrestle with today as a church here in West Alexandria. The sacrificial giving of others in more challenging circumstances is always relevant to our giving. What am I trying to say, church, is as I prayed this morning, a prayer I've been praying every time that I pray before dinner. I have to come at points where I realize that, daggone it, I'm blessed. I really do have a really good life. There are others that are in more challenging circumstances, and there are other places across this world where the church of Jesus Christ is growing. And it's not growing because of their stuff. It's growing because of their sacrifice. And there are always moments when I, when I have been given opportunities to be generous, where I have opportunities to give that Brody Reich needs to look in the mirror and realize he's blessed. And church, as American Christians, we all need to come to that conviction that we truly are blessed. And our problem is often not with what we have, it's what everything else that is going on around us and oftentimes what we think that we need. And these are hard truths to wrestle with. But I can't, it's right here in scripture. It came from the mouth of Paul and has been passed on from generation to generation. And just as it was relevant over 2,000 years ago, it's still relevant to us today. So let's go to another awkward 
uncomfortable passage. 2 Corinthians 8, 13 through 15. These are all passages that build the context for, for 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 7. Here's what it says. It says in verse 13, Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Now, I don't know if about you, but the first time I read that, I'm like, man, this could be like a communist manifesto. Equality. Everybody's supposed to be equal. We're all supposed to delegate our resources equally. But guys, take a look at what's going on here. Paul is telling a comfortable church in Corinth about the dire needs of a very uncomfortable church in Jerusalem. And he's sharing how other uncomfortable churches have stepped up to meet their needs and to give generously. And now he is coming to the Corinthian church and he's challenging them with what they have been given, that you would be able to relieve some of their stress. You would be able to relieve from their pressure. There's an eternal truth right here that says we are called to share in the burden of the universal church. And the burden of other Christians. And church, other Christians could also be the person sitting right next to you. As we prayed this morning, we are called to share in each other's burdens. We are called to be generous, maybe not just with our money, but also with our words, with our time, with our energy, with the resources that we have been given. There's a legacy of generosity that we must pass on, that we are passing it on. Whether we're doing it sparingly, or whether we're doing it minimally, whether we're doing it sparingly or whether we're doing it generously is the question. See, here's what it says in 1 John 3.17. It says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? I'm just going to leave that at that because that passage alone is something that we all could wrestle with. But I'm going to go with one more here, one more awkward passage. And this might be the one that made me the most mad for whatever reason. It should make me happy, but it makes me mad because I know what other people have done with it. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 through 11. <clears throat> now, this is what follows our base text today. This is what follows 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 7, that we should give cheerfully. Here's what it says in verse 8. It says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, the poor, the righteousness, and their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will also supply an increase in your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11, last one. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous in every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, once again, as, 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 a, uh, as a preacher who does this kind of often, I read that text the very first time, and it offends the heck out of me. 
Because I know that oftentimes people are thinking, well, if you just give, God is going to bless you and he's going to give you, give back to you. And you're going to see, you're going to see two, three fold of this income that's going to come into your life. And that's what you get oftentimes when you turn on TBN. Okay. But the second time we needed to look a little bit closer at exactly what this passage is saying. Here's exactly what it says in verse 8. The N-word that's underlined in that next point there. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And what does it say you will abound in? In every good work. You won't, it didn't say you would abound in personal prosperity. You would abound in the things of God. See, we've been talking about that in our ministry leadership team about how, and even last week, how we must remain in the vine, how we must be people of God who want what God wants. And if we begin to see our stuff as his stuff and begin to give as he's called us to give, we will always have what we need to keep giving and continuing to do the work of the Lord. That is the one thing that he's not going to leave you hanging with is his work, what he's called you to do today. Um, so, as the, so the underlying word there is simply need. When you live a life of generosity, the Lord will always provide you with what you need. Oh, I could talk more about that, but enough said. I'm going to move on to the next thing. Now, here's our base text. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 7. All right? So the legacy of generosity in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7. I want to put those five words up there. <clears throat> because I want to make it clear on what I'm talking about. As I, as I shared in the, in the beginning. Okay? What you've been given, what the, the income that you have, the resources that you've had, the command to tithe is very clear in Scripture. But if we tithe, does that mean we don't ever have to give anything else? The answer is no. The answer is, is yes, you do have to give more. Um, so how much do we give? What do we give? And when do we give? And, you know, what about I see somebody, I pull up to a car next to someone with a homeless sign and, and, and saying what their needs are. And I know I've had former um, suspicions about what, these, what homeless people do with their money and whether it's really legitimate or not. All these things are going through my head. Uh, what answer does Scripture give for that? The answer is one that you're looking at right now. It's one that isn't clear, but it's all loaded right there in 2 Corinthians verses 9, 6 through 7. But those five things are the five things that you will always feel a tension between. Providing what you need to do to provide for your family. And if some of you are in a different season, you're starting to think of what you can do to pass on to your family. Next, you're always going to be thinking about savings. I can't be so consumed. I have to make sure I have some kind of security. It's not responsible for me to spend all of my savings. There has to be something in case things were to go wrong. I believe it is proper stewardship that we save. <clears throat> and generosity is the thing in the middle that we're talking about. And then there's, of course, entitlement. We can't pretend that entitlement shouldn't be on that list because it's a big tension that we all face. There's always these things that we need. We think that we need. We think that we should have by now that we don't have. 
and our neighbors have them now, and if I had these, my life would be so much easier, and we're always consumed with entitlement. And then there's, of course, the D word, which is debt. We often have debt that we're responsible for and things that we have to take care of. And so how do we, what answers can a pastor provide on a Sunday morning about those five things and the tension that we all have? Well, here, I'm going to give it my best shot. You ready? Number one, as a Christ follower, the Lord will continue to challenge you within the tension above to be generous with what you have been given. (laughs) Guess what, church? That tension, it's not going away. It's there today. It's going to be there tomorrow, too. It's going to be there the next day. You're just going to enter, you may enter a different season of your life, but you're still going to feel all the pools of all of those different things. And the word of God is not one that's waiting, well, if this will just happen, if you'll just make this change in your life, it'll be so easy and so clear what the Lord is calling you to do with what your stuff. No, the way it works is the Lord is ready to show up in your life right now, and he wants to wrestle with that tension with you, and he wants you, yes, to feel that sacrifice, that discomfort in realizing, well, if I give this, then something else is going to suffer. And if this happens, then there's going to be a challenge in another direction of my life. That is the tension that the Lord does call you to live in and keep living in to be a man and a woman of God. Because it's the same tension that everybody else lives in, but as men and women of God, we, we have a different call to generosity, to realize that all that we have is his. And so in our moments of, of, of a desire to give, we will always have this wrestling. The tension's not going away, but the good thing is this. What will happen with this tension is the next. The more sacrificial giving that you share, the more you will be transformed and experience the Lord. See, here's how faith grows. You're in that awkward moment when you know there's a venue or some way that you should be generous, and it hurts a little bit. And you do it. And then something else happens. There's a different kind of reward that you get for that. It's not a reward that somebody says, you know, I, I saw what you did. That was amazing. Or, or all of a sudden your bank account has $5,000 more. I'm not talking about that kind of reward. I'm talking about that feeling that you have of doing exactly what the, the passage that we shared a few moments ago is. Partnering with God. That wait a second. God has all this stuff, but it's been entrusted to men and women like me. And I have to be used of God to distribute that stuff because I like to just think, well, maybe that's somebody else's job or maybe that's the job of somebody that's got more money or maybe that's a bigger church's job to do. But wait a second, I am a steward of what the Lord has given me so I am entrusted with his stuff. And church, I can't explain it to you without you experiencing it that that is what we are called to do. We get this experience of partnering with God that becomes contagious. And our faith begins to grow in such a way that when we're faced with a new tension, we're reminded of what happened to us last time we gave. We're reminded us of how we began to be transformed. We began to see all that we had been given in a different light, not in what the world says about what we have. Number three, and here's the truth in this passage. Your generosity should not be expressed compulsively or reluctantly. Your generosity 
should not be expressed compulsively or reluctantly. I used to get annoyed when I was in a church um, that uh, would have missions convention. Nothing wrong at all with missions convention. Basically, the point of our missions convention was that we were raising a lot of money for, for missionaries. There wasn't anything wrong with that. We were just challenging everybody to give and give towards these, the, the ways that the gospel is being impacted. In some ways, that's a little bit of what we did this morning, except we're giving specifically to resources rather than to missionaries. But the part that frustrated me was that we would have a goal. We would have a number that we were trying to reach. And if we didn't reach that goal, some, in some cases, they would keep us in there. And service wasn't over until we pledged that amount. We'd have the giving amount that day or we'd have the pledged amount that day. Now, the challenge with that is there is your example of compulsion. Giving because you're being forced to. And also your example of reluctancy. Giving because even though I don't really know if I can afford this, I don't even know if I want to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway because somebody's telling me to. There is your example of compulsion and reluctancy. And this is never going to be a place where you're forced to give, where we make it something that is mandated. Um, and here's, so here's, what's, here's the main point in number four. Is that generosity will always be and should always be your decision. Here's what verse 7 says. Let me say it loud and clear. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, the legacy, put that next slide up there, This is the legacy of generosity, the next piece of that text. You can put that up there. That whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. Church, at the end of the day, it's your choice. No one's ever going to take that choice away from you. This message today, these texts today, call us to be men and women of God that wrestle with that tension of saving, of, of providing, of entitlement, of debt, and learn how to be people in the middle of all of that, wrestle with what we have been given, and make a decision to give. Make a decision with our life to be generous. And church, I can't tell you when all these opportunities are going to come. I can't tell you in what different ways they're going to come, but some of them are already right in front of you. Some of them you already have opportunities to give, but you're, but you're maybe holding back and waiting for uh, a different season or for things to change. What I hope you've heard me tell you loud and clear this morning is that tension, it's not going away. It's always going to be there. Today is the day to come to the table and say, Lord, what is it you're asking me to do today, right now, with what I have been given? What is it that I have that I've been hanging on to too tightly and just assuming that in this tension you couldn't possibly ask me for anything else, that that there could not be an opportunity to sacrifice? But the Lord is ready to speak to you in the middle of all of this because in every moment that we sacrifice, we get the opportunity to experience the Lord more. And so there is a legacy that's to be passed on from this generation to that generation. 
Is it one that we will see a generous reaping or one that we won't pass on very much because we've been sparingly with what we've had? Church of Jesus Christ in West Alexandria, that's what we're called to today. We are stewards. All that we have truly is his. What will we do with what we have for the next generation? Let's pray. Lord, today, Lord, I've had to talk about a topic that is uncomfortable for me. I don't know whether it's uncomfortable for other people in this room, but for me to to share that we have a responsibility with the stuff that we have been given. The discomfort only comes because I think, like many others do, that what I have is mine. But Lord, as a steward of the Lord, will you soften our hearts to be reminded that all that we have has been given to us, whether, we've, whether we feel as if we've earned it, whether we've worked hard for it, we have been given the stuff that we need to have what we have by a creator above. And we are here on his terms, not ours. We are here to do his will, not ours. So Lord, may we be men and women that are discerning, that wrestle with the tension that everybody else faces, and decide to be people that are generous with our life, to be generous with our words, to be generous with serving, to be generous, of course, with our income, and to be those that share with those in need around us, and with needs that need to be met for your glory. Lord, even after this service today, I pray you would begin to speak to hearts. You would challenge them to say yes to you in more sacrificial ways. And Lord, we, they would see you move in their life where they feel the easy weight of living life that is generous. And they have a hunger for more opportunities to give of what you have given us. Lord, awaken us to your call today in Jesus' name. Amen.